Thank you for listening to today's message. Avenue Church is a Christian church located in Las Vegas. For more information, visit avenuechurch.cc. Enjoy the message. We're excited. We're in a series called Building People. This is our second installment of the series. And uh, if you're new here or you just jumped in in this series, you hear this a lot at Avenue Church, is that we don't want to use this church. We don't want to use people to build this church. We want to use this church to build people. It is our desire to build up people. It's not, hey, come and you're going to do this for us. It's what can we do for you? Because we're not, we're not consumers. We're simply contributors. Jesus, when he turned to Peter, he said, upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not win against it. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. But he also told Peter, he said, if you love me, feed my sheep. So Jesus said, Peter, I'm building the church. But he also said, Peter, feed my sheep. And so the way we want to do that is through the word, through the worship experience, through groups, but as well as building you up. How many can use a build up today? All right, I don't want to tear you down. I want to build you up today. And that is what we do here at Avenue Church. We are a life-giving church. So the title of my message today, we're going to jump right in. This is my second time, so y'all in trouble, all right? I need some feedback. If you hear something good, say, come on. All right. I like that. You can feel free, because the quiet church is the dead church, and we ain't dead yet, all right? We are not dead yet. And so I want to encourage you to do that. But here's the title of my message today. It's Notorious B-I-G. Notorious B-I-G. I don't know why y'all laughing, bunch of heathens. That's all right. I love you anyways, but Notorious B-I-G, if you don't know what I'm talking about, write down Victorious B-I-G. That was from Tony in the back. Thank you, Tony. But Victorious B-I-G. And, and the series Building People is based upon the book of Philippians. So if you've got your Bibles with you, turn there to Philippians chapter 1, verse 27. If you don't have a Bible with you today, we provide them for free. That is our gift. If you're a first-time guest, we want to make sure you get that tumbler and your little ones can get a water bottle but also grab a Bible. Last week, someone grabbed the Bible and said, this is my first Bible. Will you, will you sign it? And I said, well, I'm going to date it. So I dated it and said, Avenue Church, this is where it all began. All right? This is where it all begins. That was her next step. And that's what we're passionate about here at Avenue. If you get your iPhones, get it out. Check it on Facebook. Hook a brother up. Instagram it. Snapchat it. But let's go to Version Bible app and let's go. I've been... Um, kind of bothering some people up here in church where I talk about, if you have your iPhone, I know you're there. If you have an Android, we're praying for you, or Samsung Galaxy. You know, we believe God's very best for your life, and that is not God's very best for your life. But uh, this week, I had a coordinator meeting in my house, and this week, I dropped my phone, and it shattered. It cracked. Oh, it's, you know, the glass on the iPhone cracked, and so someone in my house who was a coordinator said, that never happened to my Samsung Galaxy. <laughs> And I said, yeah, 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 push that knife in a little further, brother. Yeah, so let's go to the Bibles, all right? Quit fooling around. But last week we talked about Philippians chapter 1 where Paul said in verse 6, he said, what Jesus has started in you, he will finish it. Who, he who did something in you will bring it to completion. And here's Paul, and he begins to shift gears because he's in jail. He's writing this letter to one of his first church plants that he started in Europe, in the city of Philippi. And so here's Paul, it's about 14 years later, and he's writing a letter, and this is the letter, he begins to shift a little bit, and saying, you know what, there are people out there preaching the gospel. They're not good themselves, some are awesome, but as long as the gospel is being preached. 
as long as the gospel is being preached. And this is what he begins to say in verse 20, Philippians chapter 1, verse 20. He says, I eagerly expect and I hope that I in no way be ashamed. I in no way be ashamed, but have sufficient courage so that now as always, Christ will be exalted in my life. Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. Either way, if I'm living for Jesus, he's exalted. If I die for Jesus, he is still exalted. For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. How many know we're going to have a good day today? Amen? Let me pray over you. Father, I thank you for this word. Father, I thank you for Paul. Father, I thank you that Paul was real. Paul was relevant. But I think in the book of Philippians, it's relevant to us today. That, Father, I pray today that we begin to live for Christ. Because to live is Christ and to die is gain. So, Father, I just pray for this message today. And I pray I do good in my fantasy, fantasy football draft this week. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, this October, I'm going to be married 10 years to my wife, Pastor Lindsay. Yeah, yeah, I made it, baby, right? Ten years, and uh, that's not very long, but it's a good, good amount of time. And I was remembering about 11 years ago, I came to Las Vegas to interview. At my job interview, there was um, some interns and some students around a table, and my wife's the same age as me, and she was graduating internship program to be a college pastor, and I was interviewing for pastoral role. And I sat down at that table, she was directly across from me. At the, other side, at the other end of the table. And when I saw her, instantly I said, oh, the Lord is good. <laughs> I saw her and said, God makes all things. <laughs> she, she was wonderfully made. I was fearfully made. She was wonderfully made. I said, if you're an atheist, you just take a look at her and you'll know that God is real. <laughs> so, sorry, back up. And when I saw her, I said, you know what? I think she's the one I'm going to marry. Never had that experience before, all right? But I waited eight months. I prayed. I said, God, I've had bad experiences in the past. God, I want this to be my wife. Is she my wife? And I prayed eight months. Some of y'all can't wait eight minutes. Can I get a witness, somebody? <laughs> Telling you what? It's been eight hours. I got to tell them. <laughs> but I waited eight months. And after eight months, I, I uh, and I got to tell you, ladies, if he's too smooth, you better keep an eye on him, all right? If he got those pickup jokes, you pick up lines like, hey, nice Bible, can I carry it for you? Like, you better get away from me, son. <laughs> got a really bad pickup line? No. But if it's true love, I believe that he's the slickest person, the smoothest person, will make a fool of themselves because they're so nervous. So I came to my wife. At the time, she was just, you know, working at the church, and I told her, I said, um, hey, um, yeah, is anything going on Friday? Like, we were Christians. Like, is there a church event on Friday? Please let there be a church event. Now, she said, uh, no, there's no church event. Like, like an all-nighter or, you know, like a, a, a worship night? No, okay. And I said, you know what? Eight months, Jeremy. You got this, Jeremy. You got this, Jeremy. I said, you want to have dinner with me on Friday? I remember, this was 11 years ago, her face got red, just red, and she put her hands in her, her, hands in her face. She went, oh. And I was, and I said, and I broke, and I, I just broke the ice. I said, 
Like, are you crying? Is this a good thing? Are you embarrassed? I'm sorry I'm ugly. You know what I mean? Like, what's going on here? And she, she said, yes, yes, I would love to go on a date with you. Yes, I would love to have lunch, uh, dinner with you. And so we begin to date, begin this dating process, and less than a year later, we got married. Because if you burn with a passion of lust, people, you better get married. You better get that hooked up, huh? <laughs> that was free. That was not in my notes. But I got to tell you, in those eight months, she was all I could think about. In those eight months, I had my eye on her. In those eight months, I was so infatuated. When we, when we began dating, my cell phone bill went up. How many of you know I'm talking about? Text messages exploded. All right? Things got a little bit more expensive. Why? Because I had my eyes on Lindsay. Paul in the Bible, he's in prison, and he can care less because he is so in love with Jesus Christ that his eyes are on Jesus and not where he was at. To live is Christ. To die is gain. That's what he's talking about. There was a pastor that she, there was a pastor that had someone in his church come to her. It was a lady. And the lady came to the pastor and she said, uh, listen up, pastor. I'm leaving your church. And he was like, wow. Like, like no. I mean, wh- why, why are you leaving the church? And she said, because pastor, ever since I've come here, people aren't nice to me. They gossip. They're a bunch of hypocrites. How many know that's called the hospital? That's called the local body? That's called the church? That's called we're not perfect, but we're striving to have unity in the gospel? And so she says, Pastor, I'm not getting fed here. I'm not getting connected. I'm leaving your church. And Pastor said, before you leave our church, will you do me a favor? Will you take a cup of water, fill it to the brim, and I want you to walk through the church service, walk through the crowd of people, walk through the worship experience, go down the hall to the kids, through the lobby, Come back to me without spilling the water on the ground. And so she said, I can do that. She said, that's a weird request, but fine. So she grabbed the water, a cup of water, and she began to focus that, go through the works of experience, go through the crowd of people, through the lobby. And also she made it all the way back to the pastor. And she said, Pastor, I didn't spill a single drop. I'm out of here. But why would you have me do that? And the pastor said, well, let me ask you a question. When you were focused on that water spilling, did you notice anyone around you? Oh, I guess not. Did you notice anyone gossiping? No, I didn't. Did you notice anyone saying bad things? No, I didn't. And he said, that's because you changed your focus from outward to inward. And you said, you know what? If we begin to focus on something else, everything else becomes a blur. When we focus on Jesus Christ, nothing else matters. If we want to build people up. If we want to build people up, we got to fix our eyes on Jesus. When I fix my eyes on Jesus, two literally become one. I begin to talk like Jesus. I begin to act like Jesus. And in my words and in my actions, I build others up. That's why we're in a series called Building People. Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is not I that lives, but Christ lives in me. I now live in the body, but I live by faith. I live for Jesus who loved me and gave himself to me. How do I build up others with my words, with my actions? For some of us, we can't take that kind of extreme, don't we? We're like, God loves you, and I better get out of here before I say something inappropriate. But how do we love each other? How do we build people up by our words and by our actions? 
And Paul goes on to say this in Philippians chapter 27 through 30. He says this. He says, whatever happens, whatever happens, if you're persecuted, if you die, if you're going through a trial, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. If you're here today, don't let that scare you. That scared me this week, going, do I conduct myself in a manner worthy? Am I worthy of the gospel? And it says this, then whether I come to see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in one spirit, striving together for the faith of gospel without being frightened in any of those who oppose you. Worthy living. Are we living lives worthy of Jesus? Begin to notice Paul uses this word worthy a lot. Ephesians chapter 4, I'm going to go ahead, production team, I'm going to go as fast as I can. Ephesians chapter 4, as a prisoner of the Lord, I then urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. Colossians chapter 1 verse 10 says, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord, pleasing him in every way, bearing fruit in good work, growing in the knowledge of God. 1 Thessalonians 2, verse 12, and urging you to live lives worthy of God. You know what the word worthy really means? That when Paul says live a life worthy of the gospel, he means that we should live in such a way that shows how big Jesus is in our life. How do I live a worthy life? It's showing others how big Jesus is in your life. And so if some of us go on this track, we go, man, I got all these do's and don'ts, and I got to make sure I'm worthy. I, wanna, I want you to understand that you can get real close to condemnation. Let's get closer to Jesus. Live a life where he is worthy. Live a life where he is big. The Bible says, when Paul says, conduct yourselves, this is the term for politics. That's not the politics that we see here today. It's not, you know, Republicans and Democrats. It's not blood versus Crips, all right? It's not the politics we see today. It's politics that we see in regards to if I conduct myself in a worthy manner, I am a citizen of heaven. I am a citizen of heaven. That the gospel shines the brightest when we become the light. The gospel shines the brightest. Jesus becomes bigger in our lives when we become the light in every dark place. I was on a softball team. I enjoy playing uh, slow-pitch softball. And uh, this was at my last home I was at here in Vegas. It was a rental. And I overheard my neighbors talking. And I said, can I, you guys have a softball team? Let me join and let me play. And so my wife and I played. And the only reason why I was allowed to stay on the team was because my wife was better than me. Amen. So i just being transparent this morning, all right? But we were on the softball team, and they would ask us right after the bat, what do you guys do for a living? At the time, we were youth pastors, and I just said, we work with teenagers. Did I lie? No, I just didn't blow my cover. Didn't blow my cover. One time I was golfing. I was golfing with a gentleman. He was a complete stranger. We got together, and we were golfing, and, and he was saying choice words and talking the way he always talks and, you know, this and that. And by the third hole, he goes, what do you do for a living? And I go, here we go, you know. Uh, I'm a pastor. And he goes, oh, praise God. <laughs> and the entire nine holes, 18 holes, he didn't say anything inappropriate, no jokes, no nothing. And I said, man, I blew my cover. Why? Because Jesus 
connect it before he correct it. I want to connect you and win people to me because I imitate Christ so I can win them to Jesus because Jesus is big in my life. Can I get an amen? amen. All right. I remember that I brought my son to the kindergarten. In his first, uh, it was this orientation. They had this big ceremony. It was amazing. But we were all kind of crammed into a gymnasium. I remember it was so hot in this gym. I told myself, the next time AC goes out at Avenue, I'm preaching like five minutes. You know what I mean? Like, we're getting out of here. I'm super uncomfortable. I have my son, and he was grumpy, and he wanted me to hold him, so I'm holding him. I got a box of school supplies. I'm holding this. I'm sweaty because I'm holding him. I'm getting hotter and sweatier. And I'm thinking, I'm upset. I'm angry. And all of a sudden, a lady comes through the doors of, of the, of the um, cafeteria, and she goes, I, I haven't seen her in 11 years. She comes through the door. She goes, Pastor Jeremy. And like 100 people go look at me, and I'm like, I don't know who you're talking about. I don't, I, she blew my cover. I want to encourage you today. Will you go to work on Monday morning, and will you blow your cover? When you go home this afternoon, you pull into your driveway, will you blow your cover and say, I am a citizen of heaven. For me to live is Christ. When I go to work, I'm not going to put on a Christian t-shirt. I'm going to put on a Christian attitude. Can I get an amen? Blow your cover. I'm having too much fun here. So Paul says, live a life worthy. I'm going to give you three points on how do we make Jesus big in our life? How do we make our lives worthy of the gospel? Point number one, live in humility. Man, if the entire world would live in humility, how much of a better place it would be? If people weren't using others to use as a stepping stone to climb a success ladder, I would rather get on all fours and say, step on me. I want to elevate you. I want to take you further and farther. I want to launch you to your plan and your destiny. Feel free to leave me back here. The Bible's ironic. The Bible says if you want to be first, you must be last. If you want to sit, if you want a good seat at the table, sit in the back, because it's better for someone to invite you to the right hand of the master than for someone to say, this is not your spot. So we need to live in humility. Paul says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but rather in humility, value others above yourself. When you say to live as Christ, it's not about us anymore. And I've learned that when it's not about me, is when I step into my destiny. Because God looks at the heart. God sees, is he humble enough? The Bible says if we humble ourselves, God will exalt you in due time. And I choose to live a life of humility. When we live in humility, we become contributors instead of consumers. If we become contributors, meaning I will always contribute instead of consuming. I'm here because something's free instead of I'm here so I can provide an experience for someone else. So I can make an impact in someone's life. There's no volunteers at Avenue Church because volunteers have to do something. But if you're on the A-team, if you're greeting, if you're at the door, if you're making coffee, delicious cold brew, you're here because you get to be here. We're here because we get to serve. So invite people that are close to us but far from Jesus to Avenue Church. Invite strangers that God brings along our way to experience new life. I invited Levi's basketball coach uh, this week. I'm always inviting someone to Avenue Church. Join a group. 
Humble yourselves and say, I will, I've decided not to be exclusive, but I'm a, I've decided to say inclusive. I've decided to share my life with others. Serve on the A-team using your gifts that God has given you to make an impact in someone's life. Be contributors instead of consumers. Consumers walk in and say, I'm doing this out of selfish ambition, out of vain conceit. I need to consume, consume. Nothing wrong with that, but we want to launch you into your destiny. Here's what, um, on, on the website, we have growth track, and growth track step one is know God, step two is find freedom, step three is discover purpose, where we can begin to discover your gifts by doing a, just a few quick tests, your personality, and we suggest places you can serve that would best fit who you are. We don't fill positions, we fill gifts. If you're good at something, we want to use it for God's glory. But also, you can go on avenuechurch.cc forward slash a team and feel free to sign up to say, hey, I'm interested in production. I'm interested in fixing some lighting. I'm interested in greeting at the door. I'm interested in being up here and singing. And you can sign up for a group. Let's live a life of humility, putting others before us. Point number two is let's live in unity. Let's live in unity. Philippians 2, Paul says, Make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, and that's the same love for one another, the same love for Jesus, being one in spirit and one of mine. Let's truly be united. Here's a statement that we have for United Church that I'm introducing just for today. And this is the statement that we don't want to be known we're not going to be known for what we are against. We're going to be known for who we are and what we stand by. Like I say that one more time, because that's pretty, I think that's pretty good, right? We're not going to be known, oh, they're against this and they're against that. At Avenue Church, we're not going to be known for what we're against. We're going to be known for who we are and what we stand for. We stand for Jesus and we stand for people in Jesus' name. Paul said, stand firm in one spirit, striving together as for one in the faith of people. I'm going to call up uh, real quick Mark, if you're over here, Mark. Come on up, Mark. And I also want to call up, let me see here, huh? <laughs> Kenny, come on up here, Kenny. And then we go up for Mark and Kenny. All right, these are my boys right here, huh? What's up? How, how you doing, Kenny? Doing all right? Good. Mark, you all right? Now, I want to give you a picture of unity. Here's what unity looks like. Life change doesn't happen in rows, it happens in circles, and that's why we value groups. But also, when we're united together, this is what it really looks like. We're linking arms together. This is so great because Kenny totally has a bubble, and I'm totally in his personal bubble right now. It's amazing. But this is what unity looks like. Unity means I'm for both these guys. I'm standing in the middle. I want you to catch that. I'm choosing to stay in the middle. Because if we pick a side, let's say something happens to Kenny, I'm going to say, you know what, Kenny, I completely understand. I'm going, to, I'm going to remove Mark. But if I choose to stay in the middle, I'm choosing to have unity, to say I'm, I'm, I'm staying in the middle. If something happens to Mark, I'm going to say, you know what, Mark, I completely understand. I'm on Mark's side now, not on Kenny's side. So often our culture needs to learn this, that in unity I'm staying in the middle because I am for all people. I am for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. The culture, culture will begin to say, 
pastor, what's your stance? My stance, I'm going to stay in the middle. Because when we, divide, when we take a side, we divide. When we take a side, we divide. And if there's division, the devil wins. If there's division, the enemy can distort and confuse. But I'm here to tell you that if we stay together, linked arms in unity, the gospel thrives. Jesus is bigger. Now I want you to understand, sometimes we go, I don't want unity anymore. I, I, I don't need to, I, I'm fine. I, I, I got it all under control. I'm deciding against humility and unity. I'm going to branch out. You have a greater risk of falling. You have a greater risk of failing. Now, we're not built to do life alone, but if I'm going through something and I fall and I make a mistake, because at Avenue Church, we're not perfect. We're striving for the gospel. At Avenue Church, we will make mistakes, and it's not how many times you fall, it's how many times you get back up. And so if I make a mistake and I fall, I got two guys around me that are able to hold me back up. I got two guys around me that aren't saying, hey, you pick the side. I'm not going to help you. But I got two guys that said you were in the middle and you chose unity over division. Where does this come from in the Bible? The Bible says that when Jesus was on the cross, he stood in the middle of a thief and a murderer that he was an innocent lamb to the slaughter, that Jesus died on a cross not only for these guys, but for all humanity. When he died on that cross, he said, I am standing in the gap. I'm standing in the middle. I'm standing for unity and to be one mind, one love for Jesus Christ. Can you give it up for these guys? Thank you. I'm not that sweaty anymore, right? <laughs> the enemy cannot destroy you if you're not isolated, irons sharpens irons. Together, we're unified. Let's live in unity. There is unity in community. When all of us, different kinds of people, walk together in unity for the glory of Christ, that is when the gospel looks really big. That's when the gospel looks notorious, B-I-G. Paul says to the Philippians that live a life worthy of the gospel means standing together as one, striving in one mind for what is ahead. Can we live a united life? Can we live in groups? United uh, Avenue, Avenue Church is united together because there is unity in community. And I just encourage you, we're launching groups the second week of September. We're going 12 weeks. But these are free uh, free market-based groups where you can do life with others. So live in unity. Live in unity. Here's my last point, is live fearlessly. I thought this was interesting. Paul says, live, live in humility, placing others before you. Live in unity. We're for people. Don't, don't choose a side because you divide. But here's the last point. He says, live fearlessly. Philippians chapter 1 verse 27, Paul says, stand firm in the spirit, striving together in the faith of the gospel without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. What Paul's talking about here is persecution of our Christian faith. Paul's in jail because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul's sitting in prison, writing these letters to the very first European church in Philippians. And he's writing this. 
He didn't say, you know what, I want to encourage you. If you want to build others up, don't tell others how bad your circumstances is. But say, I consider it joy in what God is doing in your life. I live fearlessly for the gospel because to live is Christ. To die is gain. We will be persecuted for our faith, but it might not be the way it was back in the Bible. It probably won't be when you leave here today, someone's going to grab you and go, stone him. They're Christians and kill you and put your head up. They probably won't do that. You probably won't necessarily be uh, thrown in prison for your faith. I said not necessarily, right? For your faith. But there's a whole new persecution that begins to happen is that we will get attacked by stepping closer to Jesus. We'll get attacked for promoting unity. Some of the greatest enemies, some of the worst people are Christians. And I want to say, don't apologize for your growth in Jesus Christ. Don't apologize, but simply say, grow with me. Come along with me in this journey. Live a fearless life. But I believe a lot of that fear, though, comes from our self-worth. Paul said, live in humility, live united, live in unity, and live fearlessly. But at the beginning of this message, I believe, when I say, hey, Paul said, live a life that is worthy of the gospel. Live a worthy life. Make Jesus big in your life. I promise you, many sat here today going, I'm not worthy. Pastor, only God knows my history. Only God knows where I've been. Only God knows what I did last week, last night, yesterday. I am not worthy to live a life for Christ. I want to speak to your hearts today to tell you that you are worthy. That the Bible says that God created you as his masterpiece. That you are fearfully and wonderfully made. The Ephesians, it says, is by grace through faith that you've been saved. That that gift, that salvation is a gift that is freely given. God didn't hold the gift of salvation and say, um, I don't know if you're worthy enough. I don't know if you can accept this gift. I was saving this for somebody better. That's not what God is doing. That Jesus died on the cross for all people and for all sins. That salvation is a gift that we freely receive today. By grace, through faith. Not by our works that we can boast. But it said that God created you for a purpose and on purpose then he placed you on this earth why? because you're worthy you are so worth it you are so worth it Paul was writing this letter and he was writing the letter to the church in Philippi that's why it's called Philippians he's writing to the church of, to the church of Philippi because that was a church he started with a handful of people if you begin to read in Acts, it shows that Paul had a dream and Macedonian man in the city of Philippi said, Paul, come and start a church here. Paul had no intentions of going to that city. So Paul woke up from that dream and Paul said, that must be the Lord. I didn't have bad pizza last night. It must be him. So he went to that city of Philippi and he found a lady named Lydia. And the lady named Lydia was a rich woman who began a Bible study in her home. 
And so Paul went into that Bible study, began to teach doctrine, began to teach the Word of God. And this name, this woman named Lydia was a rich woman, much like our legacy givers here at Avenue Church, that you have the gift of giving because God blessed you to be a blessing. And so she funded the church of Philippi. So Paul, boom, okay, we got a meeting place. We got a location. We have people there doing a Bible study with Lydia. But Paul and Silas were going to go witnessing on the streets. So they went through the streets, and they began to perform signs and wonders and miracles. But the Bible says that there was a slave girl who had a demonic spirit inside of her. Follow Paul and Silas wherever they went. And she would taunt them. She would say, you, oh, look at these guys. They love Jesus. Look at those guys. They're going to heal you. Look at those guys. They're going to do signs and wonders and miracles. And the Bible says after a while, after a couple of days of, of that going on, Paul had some patience. How many know we wouldn't have that kind of patience, all right? I didn't even have patience watching Mayweather. Come on, somebody. We have some patience. And so Paul turns around and Paul says, come out of that little girl in Jesus' name. The Bible says the demon leaves her. She became restored. How many know that's what God does? That if something's tormenting you, something's bothering you, God's going to set you free in Jesus' name. He's got power over that because there's power in the name of Jesus. So she gets set free. But she's still a slave. She's a poor, she's a poor slave girl. So her masters get upset that Paul and Silas did a work in her life. So he decided, you know what? I'm going to call the authorities. So the authorities came. They beat Paul and Silas, and they threw him in a prison. There was a guard. His only job was to lock him up. But he had such hatred for the gospel. He had such hatred for Paul and Silas that he beat them, and he hit them while they're shackled and chained up. He hit them, and he beat them. Then the Bible says Paul and Silas were shacked up together in the inner prison. No windows. It's damp. It's nasty. At the midnight hour, the Bible says they begin to sing. I don't know about you, but I would not be singing. I would not be saying some very nice things. But here's Paul and Silas singing. How great is our God, champion, fight for us. Whatever they sang, the entire prison begin to hear their voice, begin to hear their song. You know how you make Jesus big? It's worshiping him through the tough times. But all around, others around you begin to say, wow, they're going through that right now. They're going through hell right now. And they're singing the name of Jesus. They're praising the name of Jesus. And the Bible says that there was an earthquake and the, the, the prison door all opened up and the guard himself thought everyone escaped. So he took his sword out to kill himself. But there Paul and Silas were sitting in their prison with the door open and they said, stop, we're still here. You in your last moment, when you're about to end it all, the gospel says, stop, we're still here. Jesus said he'll never leave you nor forsake you. Did you know that God has a plan for your life? That if you want to end your life, God is saying, stop, let's give you a new life in Jesus Christ. I want to make God big in your life, and I'm going to use you for my praise and for my glory. So here's what the Bible says. The Bible says, I get excited, I'm so sorry, but here's what the Bible says. That a thriving church 
14 years old when Paul wrote this letter, was started by a rich woman named Lydia, by a slave girl who was poor and had a demonic spirit inside of her, by a guard who wanted to end his life and beat Paul and Silas, and by a man named Paul who used to be Saul who killed Christians for their faith. How many know God uses broken things and he uses it to be restored? God wants to use you to be the light in a very dark place. You are worthy and you are worth it. Will you stand with me, please? I get crazy up here. I want you to know the ground, the ground is completely level at the feet of the cross. That you are so worthy. You're here today, you've never accepted Jesus. We're all gonna pray this prayer. And this prayer we pray is not church membership, it's not you're forced to be here. It's simply to introduce you to a relationship with Jesus Christ. So with every head body, eye closed, let's pray this prayer together. Say, Dear Jesus, say, Dear Jesus. Thank you for creating me. Thank you for saving me. I ask you today to be Lord of my life. I ask you today to forgive me of my sins. I ask you today to be my Savior. Help me to find my next step. Help me to have a relationship with you. For me to live is Christ. And to die is gain. Jesus, say this really loud with me. Say, Jesus, I want to make you big in my life. And give everybody, give them a praise this morning. Now, if you prayed that prayer for the very first time, I'm not going to single you out. I'm not going to embarrass you. I want you to put a hand up. You can put it right back down. Say, I prayed that prayer for the first time. Thank you for that. You see those hands? Come on, give God a praise. We celebrate new life. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you'd like to know more details, you can visit our website at avenuechurch.cc or follow us on social media at Avenue LV Church. Thanks for coming. We'll see you next week.